You're listening to the Coach T Podcast, hosted by my dad. Welcome to another edition of the Coach T Podcast. My name is Isaiah Thomas. Appreciate all the love and support. It's been a great spring. Finally got to see the snow melt and the rain come down and fill puddles in my backyard. That's always exciting. Uh, today I have a great guest, head coach of Portland, Mr. Andy Pulling. Andy, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me, Isaiah. Yeah, appreciate having you on. Me and Andy go way back to the, you know, I, I think there's always a theme a lot of people I go way back with. So this is almost like 20 years, basically. <laughs> yeah. During the old pre-sale days, myself and Andy and, and a handful of people, we all wrestled on those Friday nights and refed on Saturdays. And and primarily, I refed with one of his teammates, Adam Johnson, who was a multi-all-stater for Portland. And um, throughout the years, he's been coaching at his alma mater, which I think is always cool. It's one of those things that I wish I had the opportunity to be in positions like that. I only got to coach at my alma mater for one year. And he, we have seen Portland continue to ascend to the point where they made it to the team state finals this year. So Andy's a great friend, great coach. Love that he's on here today. Andy, tell us, how did you get involved in this great sport of wrestling? Yeah, so I, I'm a pretty traditional uh, case, I suppose. I have uh, a brother that's two years older than me. Um, and he, you know, came home with a flyer from school. And uh, I remember him having kind of a conversation with my dad about doing it. And it really wasn't a big thing. Like we, we were always pushed into a lot of sports and, and trying to do it all. And, and I, I had great, great support from my parents. Like they, they just always um, pushed me into trying things. And so um, my brother was pushing to trying wrestling and I kind of just didn't, wasn't excited about it. Didn't really know much about it. And it was important for my brother to have his own thing too. My parents were good about that too, individualizing things. And so um he went to the camp and went to the, the his first season and I went to a tournament and watched it. And, um, I'm, and I, I was just thrilled. I was like, this is great. I got to run around at a school with a bunch of strange kids, you know, and, and those <laughs> kinds of things. And so I remember like I had a lot of fun, not wrestling, but just being at the tournament and we always packed a cooler, you know, back in the day we, we you know, we were kind of, uh, you know, saved, saved our money, I suppose, and just did that. And, and, um, so the next year, my, I remember my dad asking him like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to wrestle? And in, in my head, I just went to the, like the, you know, eating candy and, and running around at the tournament. Like, yeah, I'll do that. And so, um, I had my novice year, I think I was in like second grade or somewhere around there. And, uh, so I got started doing that. And then, um, I just kind of always was the kid that ran around, um, at the meets, didn't really put a whole lot of attention into, you know, like learning a whole lot. I just, um, I guess I was probably an ADHD case that never got diagnosed <laughs> or something along those lines. Cause I was always just running around bouncing off the walls, you know, and, and it was fine. I don't, I, I wasn't really getting in a lot of trouble or anything. I just was a kid that would run under the bleachers and, you know, whatever. And, um, and so then I guess I just kind of was one of those typical cases, you know, and um, I remember having a conversation um, the last freestyle meet of the season that we did as a club was our own Portland, uh, meet. It was late in the spring and the weather was, you know, changing. And, um, I remember being in my first year, my, and I hadn't won a match. I don't think I won a match up, up until that point. You know, I was just like, just one of those kids just didn't care. And, um, I just want to have fun. And I remember my dad, like being a little bit frustrated, like, when's this, like, 
we're spending all this time at a tournament. I got one kid who's, who's my brother was pretty good early on. And, uh, and I just was like, all right. And I remember him saying, you know what, if you, if you take first, I'll, I'll buy you a wrestling mat. And, um, and he, you know, of course he was thinking like, this is never going to happen, you know, that kind of stuff. And so then I was like, like a whole wrestling mat. And I remember we were in the pairing line. Do you remember the pairing lines? Oh yes, the good old pairing line. Yeah, you go up to staging. You, you, one of yeah. you were responsible for the bout bout slip, and I was never that kid. Like, cause I'd always drop it, lose it. You get to the announcer, and the announcer's like, "Who are you guys?" You know. And so I always let the other kid hang on to the bout slip, and I remember my dad talking to me right there in the lines, and he's probably with me, so I would stay in line. And uh, and then we get to the announcer, they announce it, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I have a chance to get a whole wrestling mat," and so. I went through and I, and I don't know if I was in a novice bracket or what, but I ended up taking first and, you know, getting a chart and a medal and like, Oh my gosh, this was great. And, and my dad's <laughs> like, I hope he forgets about this. You know, mm-hmm. and, um, he did pay his dues. My, my, between my junior and senior in high school, he did get me like a small, like 10 foot circle section that we put in our, in a small little barn. And, um, but I always was nagging on him. So anyway, that was, that was kind of how I got introduced to the sport. And then, you know, from there, I just, I enjoyed, I was still a kid running around and having fun and winning was, was, you know, important, but it wasn't, wasn't the whole thing. And, right. uh, yeah. And so, and then I guess I didn't get, I didn't get real serious in wrestling until my, my middle school, like eighth grade year, seventh grade, eighth grade year. Um, and I just had a really good eighth grade year. I think, you know, the middle school days, um, yeah, we had MMWA, um, that we traveled to a lot. And, um, and I just, you know, I, I think I remember I was all state for MMWA and I had, uh, uh, I think it was undefeated in the middle school season and, um, for freestyle, I think I was that year, I was a freestyle state champ. I think I placed in Greco, um, back at when it was in battle Creek, I always enjoyed those days. And then, um, because I qualified to the central region, I wrestled in the central region that year and I took second there qualifying me to Waterloo for kids nationals. And, um, I kind of wrote it off because we, we didn't really have a ton of money as a family. So we didn't really do a whole lot of things. And I remember my, my parents said, well, that'll be our family trip. So that <laughs> summer we went to Waterloo for a family vacation, my poor siblings. <laughs> and, uh, and then I remember like my, they did things like um, they toured the, the John Deere tractor facility headquarters for something to do, you know, like I, and I was like, I'm not going there. Like that sounds awful. And uh and I went for a run and, you know, whatever to make way. And, um, and I had a really good tournament out there. Um, I, I met Dan Gable. I went to his camp while awesome. I was out there. And that was a great experience. And um, I remember he and I talked about the Upper Peninsula and fly fishing, which I knew nothing about really at the time. And, um, and I ended up being, you know, I, I ended up being an All-American out there. And that's when it, I, I first started to realize, like, holy crap, I might actually be, like, do something with this, you know, I might actually, you know, I, I, I knew I always wanted to coach and things, but, um, cause I would help out, but now I was realizing, Hey, I, at the national level, I'm someone. So that's <laughs> kind of how I got started. Um, kind of into this whole, this whole great sport. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's funny you mentioned the, the pairing lines. Cause I was just, it, it, it one of my, um, a guy that I, when I first started wrestling, his name was Eric Bonney. He, he passed away a couple months back. And um, I, I bumped into one of his sons, Josh, who was really, um, really good, um, 
good the, the Bond fan was really great, but um one of my memories was when I first started wrestling, he uh he's like, Your name's Isaiah Thomas? Like, yes, sir, my name's Isaiah Thomas. Like, all right, go, Matt won, you know, he, he's all excited and everything else. And uh, that was kind of the cool part about those pairing lines because depending on who you had, like it was it was almost like WWE. You're getting announced and sent out to the mat and yeah, maybe you hear a roar of the crowd. I don't know, but it was as a kid, you know, 11, 12 year old kid being involved in something like that, the, the staging and things like that, which we don't do anymore. It's all essentially track puts all the right. wrestlers on and puts them on deck and things like that. So no, but you're, that's a great point. You know, I never really connected those dots as a youth wrestler, but that what an exciting time it was because and, and it promoted good sportsmanship because you couldn't be like, you couldn't be a prick in line, you know, like it just wasn't something anybody did. You, you paired up and, and we, I always, again, I was a pretty hyperactive kid. So I'm always talking with like, Oh, Hey, you know, you, you know, obviously you know where each other are from, you know, each other's names, you put a face to the name, you mm-hmm. start that relationship process. And, um, and, and then especially if you wrestle guys, you know, multiple times um, it was, it really, I mean, that's how, you know, some of those best relationships probably even started for me in those pairing lines. Now that you mentioned that, like, you know, you just talk to each other and get to know their dads and you know, all that kind of stuff right there in line. And then you're right when you get your name announced in this big gym, you're like, "Let's do this," you know. Yeah. So. And I, you know, we're talking about sportsmanship and things like that. It makes me think about. I don't. Know, I don't like to mention basketball too much, but we talk, <laughs> we talk about the the NCAA, uh, the women's basketball in particular, where yeah. there's some. Um, uh, trash talk or showboating between two athletes, and and I'm I was trying to make a point with one of my friends saying, you know what, like in wrestling, that's very rare. Like you have to, you shake the person's hand before the match, you shake the person's hand after the match, and if it's a duel, you end up shaking their hand again. Yeah. So it's very difficult or very rare, even at the highest levels, to have poor sportsmanship because you're kind of taught that regardless of what happens you're still supposed to shake that person's hand and respect what they did. For sure. Uh And I'll, I'll even go one step further. That's one thing as somebody, you know, like we didn't have social media really, or, or even really internet that at that, when we were young, um, that had wrestling connected as much as it does. But when I look at my guys now, um, they're so connected with one another, you know, they'll play video games with opponents. They'll do all kinds of things. And I, I, I don't appreciate a lot about social media, but there are a few things. And that's one of them. Like I talk with my guys are like, Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So-and-so yeah. We game together or so-and-so. And yeah, we, you know, we, we chat all the time and I'm like, wow, that's, that's a whole nother dimension that like you and I just never had. <laughs> no, you know, like pretty much the only time I talked with, with wrestlers was at wrestling events. And, uh, and that's just the way it was. Yeah. I, we had the M live uh, yeah. <laughs> message board. <laughs> the which... <hate> board. <laughs> Oh, guys, that was a funny story. I know it's kind of on a tangent here, but um, so me and David Blanford from Grand Ledge, we're rivals, but we're friends too. And he was, he was supposed to wrestle in the honor roll meet or something like that. And the honor roll meet, which I've mentioned before in previous podcasts. was Yeah, what a great what, meet. What a great meet. It was like the all-star meet for the mid-Michigan area. It's an exhibition match. It was usually class A versus class D, class B versus class C, etc. And then the seniors had an opportunity to win scholarship money. 
Yeah. Um, and this was all put on by the Lansing Wrestling Officials Association. And it was just a really good time. It was a really, it was at, during team states. So certain teams like Holt or Eaton Rapids, because they usually were in the team states, weren't able to right. participate. But it was such a such a great opportunity. But, but anyways, I digress. So no, I I I, uh, I think plugging that's a great idea. I think a lot of people need to hear about that. And what a great opportunity it was. I, I had I had an experience to do it one time, and I actually won a scholarship through it. And um, boy, I I just appreciate the hell out of that process. And something that we could. You know, I think they they're still kind of doing a little bit with that in the in in the CWAC, and and I'm glad the uh, Wrestling Officials Association is doing that. But um, but no, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I the, how I remember story. So Dave didn't wrestle at the tournament for whatever reason, and they said through the message board that he had gone to some type of fight at a at the Lansing Youth Bar Sparties. Or <laughs> and I'm like, I, I commented, which I did not. So my comment or my Isaiah Thomas says he's going to be okay. <laughs> Where's this still come up from? <laughs> the honor all meet of all places. You, you know, as well as I did, everybody had a, every team had at least one person who just created some wacky username to get a rise out of everybody and then would just plug in every day and, and, you know, and, and rouse up the crew and then jump off. And then we would all, everybody's laughing about it in the, in the locker room. It's like, you said what to who? Like, you know, like just outlandish stuff, you know, it was, yeah. What? Oh gosh. Hi, hi hilarity. Bring back M live message. Forward. Please. God, that'd be great. Uh, so you get to high school and you wrestle for a legendary coach and Mark Holdren and everything else. What what was it like when you got to high school? What were your goals as an individual? Yeah, that's a good question. And so my high school career, like the snapshot of four years, was a little bit messy um, because Mark, um, you know, I, I obviously I respect him a hell of a lot and I coach with him now. Um, he 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 was about a year and a half and then he had to step down and step aside. Um, you know, his daughters were in high school and, and there were some things going on that he needed to attend to family wise. And I respect him for that, but it was tough. It kind of, it kind of muddied the waters a little bit. Um, but anyway, so going into high school, um, my goal was to be a three-time state champ. Like I said, I'm coming off of going out to Waterloo, had a, had a great experience out there, started, you know, like to realize I, I really want to do something significant in the sport. And I was willing to adjust things in my life to do that. And, um, and so I, and I, again, I wrestled a lot of freestyle and Greco. So I knew like from that point forward, the next step there was to go out to Fargo and to, you know, be team Michigan and to do that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where I wanted to go. Um, and I remember coach Holdren, uh, he, he used to take all the freshmen aside and we had a pretty, pretty big freshman group. I think there was like 10 or 12 of us, you know, for our school size coming in and we right. had to talk about goals, you know, and we, and we, and I, and I remember like, he gave us, you know, cards and we talked about setting this, you know, this big goal and how are we going to get to it? And so, um, I knew it wasn't feasible. Like, again, like wrestling around in our generation, um, you know, we're wrestling around with some of the best wrestlers in the country at the time with, you know, Nick and Andy Simmons, the Metcalfs, the Torellas, like that was, that was our era. And so, um, you know, I, I knew those guys were going to be four timers, you know, like, when you right. Know, I'm just getting my butt kicked by him. So I'm like, okay, so four timers is unrealistic, but I think it could be a three timer, you know? And so I just really set the bar crazy high thinking, you know, that I'll be okay if I didn't get to it, but it get close. 
so th that was really my goal going in. Like I just wanted to be, I wanted to be the best wrestler to come from my, from Portland. I wanted to be the best wrestler to come through our program. We have a pretty historic program with Mark Holdren running things at the helm. Um, but I knew I just wanted to be a little bit different. And so um, I was hungry and uh, it's funny too, because coach Holdren had a rule and my brother was, was kind of a victim of this is that when you're a freshman, you don't get to wrestle, the, um, you don't get to wrestle the first varsity meet. Like even if you're, even if you won your spot and all that kind of stuff, it was just as like testament to the guys coming back. You know, your seniors always get to, you know, get the first, you know, meet or whatever. And, um, and uh, so I remember my dad kind of going to bat because my older brother uh, was kind of battling for a spot, didn't get it, and then had to wrestle with JV. And I always kind of made fun of him, like, dude, you're on JV, you know, like, and because uh, he was a good wrestler too. Like, you know, he, we all kind of did the same thing. But, uh, but anyway, so I going into there and, um, my, my dad kind of went to bat for me and I ended up winning the tournament and beating um, uh, a couple kids that were, were all state the year before. And as a freshman coming in, so I, I hit the ground running. I was, I was, I was ready to go. I wanted to, I wanted to be somebody in our program, that kind of thing. And then um, uh, my freshman year, I, I think I just kind of mentally fell apart. We had a lot of kids leave the program that were, you know, freshmen with us. Um, and, it, it, my, I end up like kind of giving up at regionals. I, this is something that's kind of deep for me, but I just kind of just, just gave up and it was just like sick of, sick of, uh, holding weight, sick of doing those kinds of things. Our team had finished up at regionals. And so when we got to individual regionals, I was like, you know, I just let, let everything get to my head. And like, I don't want to hold weight for two more weeks. I don't want to do this. And, um, and that as a coach really changes how I coach too. But so finished up my freshman year, not, not even close to where I wanted to be. And so I came back, hit the ground running. I went to some camps, MSU's intensive camps, um, did all those kinds of things and then came back sophomore year, had a great sophomore year, but got to the big show and, uh, I was down at Joe Lewis, you know, and, nope. and I just remember like, I don't know. I, again, I, I was a mental mess, you know, I was like, Oh my gosh, big tournament. There's bums on the street. I don't know what's going on. I'm a little kid from a little town, you know, and, <laughs> Um, and just had an awful tournament. I think I went into the, um, gosh, I think I went into that tournament with like three or four losses and, uh, to the state meeting and then I just crumbled. I think I went one and two or something. And so, um, and then, and again, that was the year coach Holder and kind of stepped back and we had, um, Zach Hunter who, you know, really good, good wrestler through our program. He's alumni in Portland, wrestled four years at Penn, extremely smart person, um, but just stepped in and struggled a little bit as a coach. We lost a lot of wrestlers. I think our team got cut in half. And uh, so it was just messy. And junior year was, was messy too. Um, and so I kind of fell apart and um, I lost uh, some matches that I shouldn't have. And then I started to kind of realize this, this big sexy goal that I had was, was kind of ridiculous. So I just focused on being a state champ my, my senior year. And, um, and I, I just, bought into everything like changed my diet changed my lifestyle changed friends changed everything um and again our program was kind of dying i ended up being the only winter athlete in my entire school as a senior uh, oh yeah it's just just a weird time for my school weird time for the program um just yeah it, it was it was odd and um and so but thankfully you know like adam johnson was around um Chris Reed, who now coaches our, our youth program, he yep. was around. 
I remember uh, Chris. Yeah. And so we had some, some guys who, who were tough wrestlers um, and that I could have as partners, but it was, that was pretty much it. And uh, we didn't, we didn't really have a team. We, you know, we were, gosh, I think we won maybe one or two duels as a team the entire year. I mean, it was just kind of sad. My freshman year, we came in, I think we were in regional finals as a team or something like that. Um, and it just, you know, so the, so things were kind of crumbling. It was tough. Um, but you know, that also changes how I coach too, you know, so there's things, there's reasons for all that. Um, and then I went into, uh, my senior years, I had a great senior year, made it all the way to finals. Um, I had Ryan Frozy in the finals. He and I had wrestled team Michigan for three years. I was out at, you know, my high school career, I was at Fargo three times. Um, I just, just had a great, great experiences at Fargo is, um, two years I went deep, uh, round before medals, I, I lost, which I was again, not happy with, I guess my goal was to be an all American. Um, but it just, just never worked out for me. Um, but I knew Ryan real well. We trained together at forest Hills, um, quite a bit during the summer and all those kinds of things. And, uh, and then, uh, just to be, I lost him in the finals. He beat me up pretty good. And so I just was, that always left a bad taste in my mouth. I always wanted to win my last match of my career. So um, I was talking with Borelli and a couple other um, coaches kind of in the smaller D1 area. I decided in my head, kind of same thing as my goals going into high school. I was like, if I'm going to wrestle in college, I'm going to wrestle D1. I'm going to make it worth my time kind of thing. And that's, that's not a, I mean, I was so, I was so, you know, short sighted when it came to college wrestling and, and right. really, really ignorant, you know, too. Like I, I didn't, nobody in my family or extended family had been a college athlete. I didn't really know much about it. I knew I wanted to be a teacher from like eighth grade and I knew I wanted to coach. So I just like, all right, it's um, Ryan Frozy was going to Michigan state. So I'm like, well, I can't go there. And um, <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to any caliber for U of M. So, you know, then that dropped down to, Am I going to go to Eastern? Am I going to go to Central? Um, and, you know, in hindsight, I probably should have had some better discussions with Eastern, but Borelli came and watched one of the, one of my tournaments. And, uh, you know, at that time I, I, I wrote him a letter. Like we didn't even have, like, I, I don't remember like emails or any of that stuff. <laughs> right. So I remember writing a letter and, and with the advice from my, my head coach too, too. And, so he came in Washington and he and I had a great discussion. I, I, I really liked him as a person. I liked what he had to say. And he and I talked about you know, like doing this preferred walk-on kind of thing, which I was unaware of really. And he kind of enlightened me a little bit and he said, Oh, we'll take care of books. We'll do something small, you know, and you have to prove yourself. And, and I said, that sounds great. Like, you know, in my head, I'm like, anytime I can get something taken care of in college for wrestling, then it like, it makes sense to me, you know, kind of thing. So right. So I just put my blinders on. I'm like, okay, I filled everything out. I started working out at Central um, after my senior year in the summer programs. I was getting ready for Fargo for one last go. And, um, and again, I knew I would see Ryan again. So I, you know, that kind of was bad taste in my mouth. Like Ryan and I are good friends, you know, you know, and, and we like each other, but I just, I wanted to beat him. You know, he's a three-time state champ, tremendous yeah. fan of wrestling, great guy. You know, I had nothing like against him. I was just like competitive. Um, and our dads always hung out and talked at practices, but anyway, so I, and then I went to central preferred walk on and some things fell through the cracks, you know, like I remember having some conversations with Borelli that were really tough about my future and, you know, and he's like, well, we're not going to be able to give you, you know, I'm not going to be able to take care of books or anything. And, um, 
And I just struggle with that. I was like, what's the point then? You know, like if I'm, if I'm going to three day practices, I can, you know, getting my ass kicked, which, which I didn't mind all that, but I'm like, what's the point? And so I just shifted my, I had to shift my priorities. And I think I really, in the end, as a coach, I think I maximized my skill too, you know, like Mm -hmm. my, my belief of where I wanted to go just wasn't where my skills were. And, and uh, I think every wrestler as, as you, as you, you know, shoot for the moon, you're going to come, you're going to stumble upon, okay, like this is as far as it's going to go for me. (laughs) And so in hindsight, you know, I probably should have went to a D3 school. I should have tried to do the route that my skills match, but I, I was, I was hungry and I wanted something bigger than, than what it was. And so, um, I didn't last too long there, but I ended up, you know, being in a place where I could get a really good education degree, had some great relationships there. Um, and just poured myself into like, my classes and, 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 you know, being a, you know, getting professional, making presentations at the state and national level, doing research as an undergrad, like all those things just really fell into my lap and, and yeah, you turn something that you struggle into something positive. So. Right. Um, It's it, you you speak, you speak about being a former college athlete and things like that. I don't think anything really prepares you for that. Um, I struggled myself at MCC and I would have loved to have you. you. Could have been a Jayhawk with me. You could, yeah, you know, right. You know, <laughs> is that that far from Portland? You guys uh, are tough. I mean, yeah, we had some Portland guys go there, and, and and it's no joke. Like I know some people are like, oh, it's just D three, and that's how I thought as a high schooler. Mm-hmm. Man, that is so wrong. Like even yeah. when you get down to junior colleges, man, I I look at some of these programs now, especially now, and it's like, man, I don't I don't think the training, I don't think the the intensity is much you know, I'm going to get slapped around on the internet about this for sure, but I don't think it's that much different when you get into the grind of it. Obviously um, there's a lot of things that go into it, but when I look at it as a coach, the main separation from, from division one to division two or division two to division three isn't, isn't necessarily intensity. It's just the lifestyle. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's the skill level. It's how quickly these guys are able to learn and and just put it into practice right away. And, and, uh, and, you know, how much dedication year round that, you know, somebody's willing to live, not, not just work out, but just live it. And um, so, yeah, when you, you think back to those Jayhawk days and um, man, there's some, there, there's some tough programs that were then and, and now that are, aren't, you know, quote unquote D one programs. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think things are different with NIL and things like that. The, the ability to make money off of putting a camp on and not losing your eligibility and things like that. Uh, sure. That wasn't around 20 years ago. You had to get paid under the table all the time, but, yep. uh, <laughs> but, it, but it's interesting, but you're right. There really is, you know, from a, obviously there's the, the talent pool is a little bit different, but the, the drop off there, there's very low drop from division one to division two or division two, division three, right. Uh, at division three, the Juco. I, I think the big thing is to remember that, I I think it was 30 years ago. The Division Two national champ got a wild card into yeah the uh, into the Division One, and I, his name escapes me. He just passed. Away. He was a heavyweight, but he was like I think it's Carlton Hessering. I might have got this wrong. There's a guy that was a like a two time national champion in D two and won a couple of Division One national titles. Yeah, and probably yeah. probably got it wrong. I know somebody's <laughs> gonna gonna fact check me, but I remember that. And even there's there's stories about Division Two national champions that were all Americans at Division One. So uh, there there's been guys. There was the the guy that went undefeated in Division Three. Uh, God, what is his name? 
I could see his face. Um, and then there's Joey Davis that went undefeated in Division Two. I think it's Marcus Mark Lavasser. I think his name was. He was undefeated in Division Three. Joey Davis was undefeated in Division Two. Those guys probably could have been all Americans at the Division One level. They had that Emmett kid from North Dakota, Minnesota, somewhere around there that got an invite to the all honor the All Star meet and beat a Division One All American. So there's guys in those in those divisions that could be all Americans around the twelve guys that for whatever reason didn't wrestle there, and that's okay. That's not yeah. knocking them. I think exactly. too many times we try to judge. Well, this guy didn't go D one or this guy didn't go D two, but it's like everybody's path is different, and we put these guys in a tournament. That's the only true way to to solve or decide who's the better wrestler. Yeah, and I think too, like a lot of it is just how people understand wrestling. You know, and and um, and I think in Michigan it's unique. We have we have our you know our five divisions, the the four boys divisions. Um, obviously, there's a difference even in our own division. So there's going to be a difference at the NCAA level for sure. But I mean, the same conversation could be had in our divisions. You know, you look at I love the I love the crossover um, duels. You know, like the DCC Lowell, or you know, you mix Dundee in there, Hudson in there. Um, what a cool thing to do! And if it and that's why I love the sport too. Is like if it was you know. If, if, if rankings and, and, you know, societal opinions really had any matter, we wouldn't even wrestle, you know, it'd just be, it, we just write it down on a piece of paper and say how it's going to be, but it doesn't work out that way. And so it makes the sport so great. <laughs> right. I mean, we saw with uh, Spencer Lee and Matt Ramos uh, exactly. back in March, what a, what an incredible match. But uh, so you, you get your teaching degree. Did you start off teaching at Portland after you got, uh, got graduated? No, I, I kind of have, I, I, when I graduated, um, I, so I student taught both in, it was in 2007 and half of it was in DeWitt and then I went to Perth, Australia for the second half. Um, and so I kind of, you know, I started my coaching career there at DeWitt at their middle school. And so, um, when I got back, it was just, I mean, it was hard to get a job. I remember, um, I applied I, I don't know, 20, maybe 30 different schools, but um, I, I was told one of these positions, I don't remember exactly what it, but there was like 150 applicants for one position. So um, I, again, I kind of put on my, my competitive mindset and everybody was telling me, leave the state, go to Arizona, go to North Carolina. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm staying in Michigan. Michigan's my home. This is where I'm going to go. This is where I'm going to teach. I'm just going to make it happen. Right. Uh, and so my first job was actually at Sexton High School. So you're you're a Lansing man, right? And, yep, uh, yep. Everett, I'm an Everett right? grad, but I did coach at Lansing Sexton for a year. Shout yep. out to the Big Reds and uh, Coach Coach Becker, Coach Henderson, Coach Rashad. Yeah, and so I I, I taught like part time at the high school, and I was at three different elementary schools part time to make it a full time position. And um, and I had a I you know it was obviously a huge learning curve, but I was I wanted to be in the quote unquote inner city schools. I wanted to, you know, I was a fiery person out of the gate. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to change lives. I wanted to improve people and how they learned. And, um, and so I, I jumped right into that. And then, you know, just the way it works in Michigan during that time, the teachers, I was laid off low man on the totem pole kind of thing. Hmm. And, um, and then had a sub for a year while I still coached and do it. And then I actually had a professor reach out to me, um, and say, Hey, we've got this graduate assistantship position. that's in research and it's in teaching at central. Do you want to do it? And I didn't even ask like, 
<laughs> I just said, yeah, like <laughs> if I can teach at the, you know, I, I like an opportunity to teach at the university level, let's do it. So right, right. I did that for two years, um, teaching one through 300 level classes. And I co-taught a 400 level class, got my master's degree. Um, and, um, and then from there I went and taught, um, at a charter school, Woodland Park Academy, shout out to the Eagles there in Grand Blank. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was commuting back and forth. Um, I had moved from Mount Pleasant back to my parents' basement. So I was commuting back and forth to Grand Blank to Portland. And then it was like, I got to find something else. And um, Lakewood actually had a position open up. They had some turmoil happen. Um, and so I went into, into that school district um, and then taught and coached there for um, three years. And then the Portland position opened up. And then I've been at Portland since. So yeah. Uh, Lake Lakewood Lake Odessa home yep. of the Vikings I believe you got it and uh one of my Jayhawk teammates Tony Harmer gotta, yeah, get, him Harmer. On, gotta get him on an episode yeah uh, he'd be a good one <laughs> yeah. uh Tony's a great guy great great guy so now you're at Portland you're at your alma mater um did you feel as you're as you because you got to coach under coach Holdren yeah correct for those few years before you came to coach did you feel like it was kind of a passing of the torch to have that opportunity to learn from him and then have the opportunity to take the position? Yeah. I, you know, it was a really unique experience for me because like, I, you know, growing up, I always wanted to wrestle for coach Holdren. Like that was just, that was just what as kids we thought of. And so, um, and then in high school, like I said, when he stepped down, there was, a, there was a lot of like anger towards him from the wrestler side of things. And that's why a lot of guys just left and quit. I mean, we had guys that were, uh, you know, runners up one year and quit the next year because of the new coach and all these kinds of things. And I just tried not to buy into that too much. I'm like, I don't care. I just want to, I've got my goals and whatever, try to see the good and everything. And then, so when I came back to Portland and coached and I taught with Mark and Scott Sanborn too, who's a longtime Portland coach, yep. you know, I just switched hats and I told those guys from the get go, like, I don't care what happened in the past, good, bad, and different. Like, I want to learn as a coach. And that's kind of how I approached all of my coaching positions. Like when I coach into it with, with Brian Byers, you know, like there, there's so much power in just saying, you know, I'm putting everything aside, act like I don't know anything about wrestling and act like I've never coached before and just, just teach me, I'll just soak it up. And so I've approached that with Brian Byers and DeWitt. I, I approached that with, you know, Bob Veach and, and Lakewood and mm -hmm. the same kind of thing in Portland. And, um, and I try to do that too, like with, with coaches, I rub elbows with at terms and stuff. And, um, and so it's just the process that it's just how I learn best. And um, so the, the passing of the torch thing was, was like, we talked about it and um, Sam, coach Sanborn left. Um, he had some, some things going on. So he retired from teaching and, um, and went on to the Dominican Republic and he's there um, teaching there, having, you know, kind of on a second career there. And then um, Coach Holdren wanted to, he wanted to last, like, you know, he's like, I want to, I want to just have one more, one more go as a head coach. And so I said, sure, go for it. And we have a great relationship. We communicate really, really well. We appreciate and respect each other a hell of a lot. And so I kind of stepped back and just kind of let him, and again, I'm just trying to learn, like, oh, this is a unique thing. A, a head coach who's ran a good program for a long time. Now he's stepping back into the head coaching role. Like, I want to see why. I want to see what he's doing. I want to learn from it. And then um, I, and I told him, I, you know, he and I's meetings and conversations, I said, I'm not going to press you to leave. You know, when you're, when you're ready, you know, you're ready. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I'm, I, I felt I was ready. 
Um, of course, as a young coach, you're always like, I want to be a head coach. I want to be a head coach. <laughs> right. You know, but I, I tried to curb those emotions and just learn. And that was kind of my, it's, that was kind of like my resolution. Like, if you're not going to be a head coach, learn how to be the best head coach you can from everybody, you know? And, and so, um, so I was, I was not necessarily chomping at the bit, but I was ready to go. And so when, um, when I guess the, the torch got passed, um, there were things, again, my alma mater, um, a coach I have a great relationship with, long-time history coaching um, with, and then I had these different snippets of different programs and what worked in different programs in our area even. So I knew there was things I wanted to implement and add to and subtract and adjust. And so I was able to do those things. And again, I, I still have no idea how some of these coaches do it. You know, a lot of coaches you've had on the podcast, I'm, I'm listening to them and I'm like, okay. And, and calling them and emailing and cause there's so many ways to, to do this job. Well, um, you just, everybody has to kind of take and steal and provide to each other and then just kind of make it your own. So the, the passing of the torch was, was, was there, but it was a, it was a very, you know, non-dramatic <laughs> thing. It was, I was, I was, you know, pretty groomed for it and, and ready for it. And again, Mark, I mean, it, another unique thing is Mark was head coach and I was assistant and we just flipped roles. And, um, and boy, I'm so grateful for that too, because he gets it as a head coach. You know, he understands so many things. And, um, and when I'm not doing something well, or when I need help with something, he'll either let me know or I can ask him and then he'll let me know. So it's the transition. I couldn't have asked for a, for a better transition. It's been great. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's nice to have, uh support like that especially it, coach holdren's been around for a long time he's seen it he's done it and and to have that mentor by your side every step of the way um makes it a little bit easier and, and I, honestly a lot more fun it, it, it really does um talking to some of my coaching contemporaries that have either uh they're struggling in a spot or they've stepped down for whatever reason one of their biggest issues is having assistant coaches that support the vision um, and then kind of the, I don't know, not really following what the head coach wants done or not being able to bring up suggestions in a way that works in the hierarchy. You know, the head coach has the final. Yeah. And, it, and, that's and, such a, that's a great point. That hierarchy is such a great point. I, I, you know, in my head, I think everybody, but not anybody, but in my head, I'm like, when I first took over, I was like, I don't want a hierarchy. I want us all to be buddies i want us all to be in the same discussions in the same meetings you know that kind of stuff it just doesn't work that way (laughs) no you know like you 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 need you need delegation you need your doers you need your thinkers you need you need your your camaraderie you know you need all of that and uh it's important to have that k you know k through 12 in your program oh yeah so now that you're what you you've given some really great advice i usually ask like what's your advice to these young coaches everything else Do you feel that because you're a teacher in the building that's helped you build the program and also build relationships with your athletes, not just at the high school level, but from middle school to elementary? Yeah, no, I think that's just probably, if not the biggest, one of the biggest slices to the pie. Um, and I give a lot of credit to a lot of these coaches um, that, that are not in the school buildings doing it and doing a good job. Um, it's impressive to me. I don't, I don't even know how I would with my coaching style and, and 
relationship building. I don't even know how I would do it if I wasn't in the building. And I talk a lot with my wife about this, like, um, you know, teaching obviously has been a difficult thing in the past, you know, five, 10 years. And, uh, and I mean, you know, it all well too, but, mm-hmm. uh, if I wasn't teaching, I don't know how I'd be able to coach the way I do. I, I think you have to, I'd have to adjust a, a hell of a lot of things um, to do that. But um, no, I think it's crucial. The way I coach, the way I run things, how our program runs, I think it's very important. And I'm going to tell you, I've got a fantastic administration who supports me in the, in my coaching requests. Like um, we do some really cool things that again, I've, I've just kind of, you know, been passed down to me or gotten from other coaches you know we do um you know like like for instance our middle school um phys ed classes um you know they, they don't know wrestling so they don't have a wrestling unit they don't do any of that kind of stuff and i've i get every year i get support from my administrators both at the middle school the high school and the superintendent who know that my heart's in a good place and i want to support the school system with the tool of wrestling so i go down there and we do, a, I call it a day of wrestling. And I just kind of put together like a mini day camp where I'm there. Every PE class comes in, boys, girls, you know, everybody. And um, I take them through like the fun aspects of wrestling. And teach, we, we're playing, everything's a game essentially. Like just five minute games every five minutes for their their whole PE class. And um, and again, I'm joking around. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, immature for, I, I try to be a little bit like at the middle school, you know, level. And so some of the adults think it's a little bit goofy and, and I think it's goofy too. When I step back and, and see what I'm doing, I'm like, what the heck? But, uh, but it's fun, you know, and it's important. And if I wasn't a teacher, I don't know how we get that done. Like I, right. I, you know, we, we used to do like a teacher swap. So the PE teacher at the middle school would go be my substitute teacher at the high school. And then, so that would, so we just did some really cool things that are supported. And I don't, if I wasn't a teacher, I don't think any of those would go on. Right. And and the administration part of it is a key too, which is some of the things that one of my goals of the podcast has always been to kind of alleviate the light to why are these programs finding success and things like that. And the big thing is you got parent support, your assistant coaches support you, and your administration supports you, even through the tough times. Yeah, that's good. Um, because because you need that support. So that that's always great. Girls wrestling, women's wrestling has really grown uh, in the last five or six years with Michigan Wrestling Association uh, starting the first girls individual state tournament to now the MHSA sponsors as a fifth division. We've had two years at Ford Field. Um, What have you seen in the last five years with the growth of girls wrestling? And in general, how can we continue to grow the sport and grow opportunities for all our individual athletes? I think what we're doing in our state, and I can't really compare a whole lot to other states per se, but what I, what we're doing in our state is special. I just feel special. Um, I think you nailed the head on the the nail on the head there. Like as the MHSA, as a governing body, I think they're doing a great job listening, supporting, you know, trying to fill in the gaps. Um, they're doing a lot of little things. I think people overlook. Um, we need to recognize and appreciate and applaud. Um, I think as a, as a coaching association, I think you guys at the coaching association level are doing a fantastic job. Um, I think it's just got to be one of those things that we, we, we just keep pushing and forcing into in good situations. Um, 
and and just kind of let it build organically by supporting it you know supporting those good things like you know at the state meet um there's so many there's so many criticisms and and they're warranted i don't want to dismiss them i think criticisms are a good thing we need to acknowledge them and, and and find solutions but i think it's like i get teary eyed i don't even i don't I've got two daughters. They're not wrestling right now. And, and who knows if they will. But when I think back and I think about what these females have done um, is so special with the support, like, you know, putting them center center in the finals, I think is just a little thing that is fantastic, is special. Like I, I think we just need to do more of things like that. And just that, I think that's going to promote it even more. Like put, like I just, if the rules reversed, I just don't even think this works. You know, like let's say girls wrestling started first and girls wrestling was just like everywhere. Do you see guys like starting? <laughs> no. no, I mean, I just don't. So I think we have to acknowledge that, um, you know, we just have to do more of those. And I think we are, I think like the, the girls regional, even though again, there's criticisms there and there should be, and it needs to be adjusted, but now having regional tournaments qualifiers to get there is a fantastic thing. Um, you know, one thing that we probably should do a little bit more is try to figure out this girls wrestling girls process K through 12 more. And again, I think, I think we are, we're, we've got some good momentum. Um, it's clearly showing with our participation numbers, but you know, states like Iowa are, and Iowa's always going to be right. But mm-hmm. um, their partition participation numbers are exponentially more. So my head first just goes straight there. Like, what are they doing? what are they doing that makes it, I mean, it's not just like a hundred more, it's, it's thousands of more wrestlers. So we just have to, you know, do kind of ask those questions. I, I I think it's great though. I I love seeing the promotion. Um, I love like just little things like the, um, the posters that are coming from, um, Oh shoot. That, um, from our coaches association, but also at the national level, um, you know, they, they sent all the, to the head coaches and put posters up it's like promoting women's wrestling it's promoting you know being successful as a wrestler it's promoting all this positivity and it's, it's really is a sport for everybody and if we can just recognize that and and look at the level of the wrestlers individually and put them with other wrestlers wrestlers at that same level and, and promote success whatever that looks like for that individual i think it's a good thing and so I think of, you know, wrestlers who have never wrestled before, um, female wrestlers, wrestlers with, with maybe that are, you know, have some disability or some sort of struggle in their life, recognizing all those things. I think it's just going to promote it. So I, I love the trajectory that women's wrestling is going. Um, you know, to be honest, in Portland, we're struggling a little bit. Um, and I'm, 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 again, always asking questions. What can we do? And, I, you know, I don't have this past year, we're, we were only going to have one female wrestler. Um, and she just had some struggles and I'm not trying to put any pressure on her at all, but it just didn't work out for her. And at our middle school level. We have just a few. So we're, we're already behind the curve, if you will, in participation in numbers. So that's something that I've got to do, you know, as a head coach saying, you know, what, what are we missing? We're doing something that needs to be taken care of in Portland. And, and it's just, that's, I think that's the job of all head coaches of how do we promote this? And, I'll have to plug one more thing here, Isaiah, is as athletic directors, as at the administration level, they've got to get with it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I we, we went over to Eaton Rapids for a CAAC duel. 
and they've got a, a, a women's wrestling awards board up in their gym. And like that hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, yeah, every school, every AD, it's a sanctioned MHSA sport. This should be up. Why is this not up? You know? So that's what I mean by those little things and promoting it. Like we just have to get with it when it comes to those types of things. So. No, I, I agree. It's, it's interesting you mentioned that. I know that, um, there's some conversations in other conferences where they're like, well, is this a, um, you know, when our kids win like a conference title or place, like it's a pretty big deal, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, it's a, it's a big deal for everybody when they win a, win a competition, regardless of what, uh, what they are, boy or girl, things like that. And, and, and you're right. We need to continue to promote. I know for, for us, we went from, one middle school female athlete to two female athletes. And then we had, I believe, four girls on our uh, youth wrestling team this year, technically five, adding in my oldest daughter. But it, it's it's a process trying to grow that and, and continue to have great coaches like yourself continue to promote wrestling for all, for everybody is uh, is really a treat. And, and it makes me think about all the success stories. Uh, Anthony Robles, you know, wins a national title with one leg and, yeah. about to do a movie on him, which is yeah. pretty awesome. But we have so many stories of people that have overcome these um, hardships and have succeeded in the sport of wrestling that you don't see in other sports. So, I don't know. I mean, if we continue to do those things, I think it will continue to grow. Andy, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It was great reminiscing about the old days because we are getting old. We're almost 40. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, good talking to you. Good luck to you next season. And uh, enjoy the rest of your spring break. Thanks, Isaiah. I appreciate you doing this, too. Um, I, I just want to give some shout out to you, man. Like putting this together has been a really rich investment on, on my end as a coach. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure it's helping other coaches, too. And, um, you know, you're coaching, you're giving back, you're a father, you're a husband. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to you. Thank you so much for inviting me on here and, and, and continue with the podcast. It's awesome. Thank you, Eddie. I appreciate the nice words. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Coach T Podcast by my dad.